Talk Central is brought to you by TomTom Africa, a leading international enabler of accurate location-based platforms throughout Africa, offering innovative, comprehensive, and high-quality digital maps to businesses and governments. For more information, visit tomtom.co.za slash geospatial. I'm Richard van Berg. I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 125, for the weekend starting 17 March 2015. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, where you'll find South Africa's best technology journalism. That's right, Duncan. No headlines like Poked Blind by Harry Tokoloshi. <laughs> no, no Harry Tokoloshis on Tech Central, or Tokoloshis of any kind for that matter. On Talk Central this week, we talk about ETV's lawsuit against Communications Minister Faith Matambi and the Minister's furious reaction. Also this week, a perfect storm of problems hits Ultron and Altec, and price hikes from MTN, Vodacom and Telecom. There's also CELC's 8 billion rand LTE plan, but before we get to that, we need to pay the bills. We'll be back in just a moment. The Vox Telecom Cloud is the future of business. Developed from the ground up, it's a turnkey, fully managed approach to the cloud. It offers you guaranteed support, a national network with true redundancy, fully managed services across all layers, and most importantly, a single point of accountability. The Vox Telecom Cloud. It's how cloud should be. To find out more about the Vox Telecom Cloud, SMS your name to 45454 or visit voxtelecom.co.za. Standard rate supply. Oh, welcome to welcome to the show. Hi, Rafat. How's it, Duncan? Good to see. You. It's been a while since we last uh, sat around the table and recorded a show. Yeah, I've been missing it. It's been a busy month, but uh, it's good to be back uh, back in the saddle, so to speak. Indeed, first batch of um, holidays this time of the year out of the way, Easter and all the rest of it. But the next batch about to arrive in the next week or two. It's <laughs> not helping much for productivity. That's that's for sure. No, not no, not at all, not at all. But let's get into the show because there's been a lot happening over mm. the last uh, just over the last week, actually. Yeah. Um, and let's talk about ETV first because that's a that's a big story. Um, ETV announcing uh, that, perhaps not surprisingly, uh, that um, it's going to take um, Faith Mutambi, the communications minister's final um, broadcast digital migration policy, to court to challenge what they're describing as aspects of it. Um, of course, ETV uh, very unhappy with the um, the, the final um, policy from government, um, which rejects the idea of the use of encryption uh, or conditional access in the set-top boxes. Uh, that government intends to um, provide free of charge to 5 million households. Mm. Um, ETV has been lobbying hard behind the scenes for a long time for um, encryption and in fact it looked like it was going its way uh, under the former communications minister Yunus Karim uh, but Faith Matambi has come in and uh, overturned all of that and we're moving ahead now uh, with a, with no encryption uh, in the uh, or no conditional access system in the set-top boxes which effectively means we're not going to have encryption in free-to-air television in South Africa the signal in effect won't be encrypted unless ETV decides it wants to go to the expense of putting um, set-top boxes of its own in the market and encrypting that signal, mm-hmm. which seems unlikely. Yeah, probably the only way it, it's fighting this because it needs to get access to those to those movie rights and those uh, That's what it says. Rights. Yeah, That's yeah. what it says. Um, it claims that the signal has to be encrypted for it to get access to that latest content, and without that it can't effectively compete with DSTV, which is becoming increasingly dominant. It is dominant in mm-hmm. the pay TV market. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that raises a number of questions. First of all, is it the role of free-to-air operators to compete with pay TV operators? Exactly. I'm not sure it is. Um, you know, no, I agree with you. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure that ETV is advancing a, a, a valid argument, even on mm, that score. Mm, mm. Um, but, you know, they, um, they, they, 
insist that this is necessary, even though um, there is actually an, an encryption system built into the set-top boxes that prevents the uh, that, that encrypts the signal that leaves the set-top box and goes into the consumer's TV. Um, that that bit of the signal isn't isn't sure. unencrypted. Sure, the the signal is unencrypted, so I suppose it could be intercepted. But um, they use HDCP or high, I think it's high demand or high. High demand copyright protection. I forget exactly what it says. It's something that's used in most uh, decoders, isn't it? It's uh, exactly. Yeah. It's the, it's actually the the encryption copy protection technology that's built into HDMI. Yeah, so you can't drip from the from the HDMI or, yes. or the the RCA cable. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a it's a it's a fundamental cornerstone of the HDMI standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's built into the SANS eight six two South African Bureau of Standards specification for set top boxes in South Africa. So they all have HDCP based on HDMI built into the mm-hmm. HDMI mm-hmm. port on these boxes. Now, if you listen to multi choice, they'll say that's all that's actually needed. And if you look what at what um, what BBC did in the UK, the BBC uh, launched um, services completely unencrypted, um, but launched those only standard definition broadcasts. Then when they wanted to move to HD, they needed to implement an encryption system of some time, and they considered a number of options. One of them was encrypting the signal, but Ofcom rejected that idea, Ofcom being the British regulator. And uh, see, I've been doing a lot of research on this subject (laughs) last week, but um, Ofcom rejected that idea, and the BBC simply implemented HDCP, along with something called Huffman-Kaufman codes, Huffman codes, Mm. um, which isn't in itself encryption, but it's, it's also a protection mechanism. Uh, that 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 can be implemented without encrypting the actual signal that's broadcast. Mm. Now, um, MultiChoice is putting forward the argument that that's all that's needed, and that actually, you know, if the BBC if, can get the get the best content through this mechanism, why can't ETV do the same? ETV is arguing actually, no, we have to encrypt the system, encrypt, encrypt the signal, uh, rather than just encrypt uh, provide an encryption mechanism uh, on the output of the, the video output for the HD signal on the box. Mm, mm. Um, so that's where we stand in the argument at the moment. But uh, ETV has now taken the matter to court. They're challenging it on a number of um, legal um, uh, arguments. Uh, and then this morning, um, uh, my colleague Sinil Gopal had a, a chat with Faith Mutambi on the sidelines of a conference organized by Sediba, the Southern African Broadcasting Digital Broadcasting Association. Uh, and uh, she um, hit back quite strongly, in fact, uh, saying, and I'm going to quote because I'm just going to bring up the article here on my iPad. She says, South Africa won't be held to ransom by ETV. Um, uh, we won't be held to ransom by commercial interests. We are here to serve the interests of the people, she warned um, in, in that uh, interview that uh, she had with Tech Central this morning. So uh, interesting remarks, and certainly it, it shows that um, it, it suggests that the government's not going to back down in the face of this ETV lawsuit. And I don't think it should, actually. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, let's be honest. If, if, if this does happen, uh, it is going to create a lot more headaches, I'm sure, for the system than uh, the, the current process that they're doing. And, and also... You can you can also argue the fact that it's not really correct for ETV to get a free ride potentially on mm. a new deployment like this, mm. where MultiChoice has spent billions to to set up that infrastructure. Mm. Mm. Um, but that's just playing devil's advocate. No, I think you're right. I mean, I've and I've have said that before, and in, in in pieces I've written on Tech Central and in the Sunday Times, I, I think that um, I think that you know you know people tend to hate MultiChoice because it's been so successful, um, but it's been successful for a reason, and I think that to punish the company by Implementing a taxpayer-funded subsidy of competitors is not fair. Um, if they want to roll out um, encryption, 
in set-top boxes and they should pay for it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And But let's hope that the, the rollout of at least the digital uh, or, or of these set-top boxes will pave the way for, for more players to at least uh, you know take up the digital signal so we'll get a, a, a broader spectrum of broadcasters to begin mm. with and then then worry about the, you know, the Hollywood movies, uh, mm. you know, and the sports yeah. rights and that kind of thing. Exactly. And let's let's just let's just remember. I mean, the BBC is probably a, a, a bad example to compare to because they, you know, they they receive a huge amount of money in license fees. You know, the average Brit pays a lot of money in license fees. I forget the exact amount, but it's something like two hundred pounds a year. Sure. So about what close on four thousand rand a year, and just in in mandatory li- mm. TV license fees if you own a TV set in the UK. So that's expensive. Um, and there's a lot of revenue they get through that, you know, in that regard. And the BBC is qu- quality of programming is outstanding, um, but generally around the world, free-to-air television is, is not that good quality. I mean, mm. if you look at free-to-air television in the US, it's it's awful. It's it's 50% of its advertising. Yeah. Um, you don't yeah. want to watch it. Um, uh, and um, free-to-air elsewhere in the world is, is generally appalling. Mm. Um, it's it's not a platform that is typically competed with. Um, with, with pay TV and I think if pay TV operators if broadcasters want to compete with DSTV they should do it on the basis of, of being paid broadcasters yeah I, um, agree. I agree pay is the, cha- is the is the mechanism whereby the best content is seeded into the market and then for free to air television tends to get it a few years later mm. Mm. Um, yeah and, and also I mean with I mean with ETV already you know if they need to expand i think there's a lot more for them to to do firstly before you know they just piggyback off of this digital signal to try and get uh, access to these licenses potentially mm. Mm. um i think they need to flesh out there you know maybe they're thinking a bit more um there's always the internet um i don't know i don't know i'm not an, i'm not an expert in that field but i, I do think it was uh, i don't agree with the way that they uh taking this on anyway it's uh Let's keep an eye on the space. It's, I wonder. I wonder how this one this one is going to to pan out. But I think there's a very real risk here that um, um, that this ETV lawsuit could hold back the whole digital migration process even further. even further. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. Um, very interesting profit warning and strategic update that was published on the JSE Sends news service late last night by Ultron. Uh, which is the um, technology group that owns companies like Bytes, Altec, and Powertech. Um, it's the group, uh, the fam, uh, the um, company control is controlled by the Fenter family. Uh, company started by um, by Bill Fenter and is now run by CEO Robbie Fenter. And of course, Craig Fenter runs the um, Eltron TMT businesses, uh, which includes Altec and Bytes. Those were put together in the last uh, year or so, year and a half or so. Um, that business, um, what well, certainly the um, the Altec business, was delisted. I think it was about 12 months ago now, perhaps 18 months ago. Yeah. Um, and so everything is, is via the, the, the single listed entity now, and that's Ultron. And they put out a, a trading statement yesterday, um, along with a strategic update, as I mentioned, which suggests that the company uh, has, has really um, been hit. And the headline we used on the story was, a perfect storm hits Ultron. Um, and it really does read as if, with the exception of the Bytes business, the IT uh, businesses within uh, within Ultron Stable, that um, things have really gone a bit pear-shaped um, in the last 12 months. Um, you know, they've been under, under tr- tough co- trading conditions as it is in the Powertech division, um, which I think really feels the impact of the weak economy and the the power cuts and uh, you know all the rest of it um, you, you know um, the traditional sort of um, they do transformers and, and sort of tr- cabling stuff and you know they, the when when the building industry the construction industry feels a downturn I think that business takes a lot of pain 
but the traditional Ultron, sorry, Altec business is also coming under a lot of pressure. Um, and um, I think a number of reasons they have outlined for that. Um, there's been reduced demand for set-top boxes from its Altec UEC mm-hmm. business down in Durban, and I think that may be a direct result of a reduced uh, order intake from uh, multi-choice. Uh, we saw multi-choice move its um, cons- uh, or, or, or hand the, the contract for the construction or the manufacture rather of its um, Explorer uh, PVR to Pace. Um, which has established a factory down in East London. Uh, that business historically would have gone to Altec UEC. Then we saw the launch uh, last year of the Node, the Altec Node. Mm. We wrote about it quite extensively on Tech Central and uh, had some exclusive insights into the background of that development of that product. Unfortunately, it has not uh, performed uh, to expectations. Um, I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, I think that. Uh, I, th- I don't think it's been marketed sufficiently. Mm. Um, I don't know if I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I, you don't. I mean, uh, you know, they've run a campaign on Tech Central. They've run a couple of campaigns here and there, but nothing of of, of any massive consequence. You don't see them on billboards and that sort of thing around mm. town. Or mm. uh, I saw a display in uh, Dion White. I think it was. Oh, that, did you? Okay. Was... Here and there, but it's not in your face. The sort of in your face advertising that you might expect for a consumer product like this. Yeah. But I think the bigger problem the Node had or has um, is it, it, it's very good. But it's difficult to use. It was designed by engineers for engineers. It wasn't designed for consumer use, I think. I think that's its, uh, its biggest failing, having used the product uh, quite extensively. Um, I think you have to be very technically minded to uh, to use to one of these it. products. Um, but that should just be a user, user interface solution, really. It is. Yeah. The user interface is not user-friendly enough. Um, it certainly wasn't when it comes to mar- came to market. I haven't used it in, in the last few months, so maybe there have been some big improvements. But um, certainly, it, it needed a, it needed a lot to be a lot more user friendly. You could do a lot with this box. I mean, you could uh, you do it, you could hook up cameras, motion sensors, all sorts mm. of other things. Uh, to, to you know, it's Zigbee compliant. You could uh, um, you could do all sorts of cool stuff with it. Um, but it required a bit of um, technical nous to to get it right and to figure out what you were doing. Um, and your, I think your average consumer just wants to sit on the couch and pick up a remote control and press some buttons and make it work yeah. and make it work um, so I think if you wanted to do that stuff and you weren't technically minded you had to get an expert in to come and wire it up and do all the stuff that you wanted to do um, I think brilliant brilliant brilliantly executed from an engineering perspective but from a user friendliness and a, just a con- general consumer perspective um, it needed it needed a lot more work um, it's up to improve it I guess it's, it's still early days in many in many respects sure. for, for these kind of set of yeah. boxes um, well What's interesting is they've now said in the statement that, they've, that they issued last night that they said the node has performed below expectations with regard to retail consumer take-up. Ultron TMT is now well advanced in terms of exploring alternative opportunities for this business. What does that mean? I mean, does it mean that when I first read that, I thought, oh, they're going to sell it to someone else. Uh, but perhaps they're looking for te- technical partners to come yeah. on board or commercial partners to come on board. Perhaps someone to offer over-the-top services on this box. I don't know. Yeah, perhaps a few... Uh, well-placed collaborations is the key. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe an over-the-top player to provide services on it. I don't know. But um, uh, tough times at at at, at Ultron. Uh, they also mentioned that there would be tough trading conditions at Autopage, uh, which is their uh, the independent cellular service provider. Um, they were expecting an upturn in the second half of their financial year, which ended uh, on the 28th of February. Mm-hmm. But they said this didn't materialize. Um, so one wonders if that business is going to go the same route as, as Nashua Mobile at some point. Last year we saw Nashua Mobile close up shop effectively and sell its subscriber base to the respective operators that it represented. I think there were about a million customers that got moved across. Yeah. 
Um, I think Autopage is also sitting on about a million or just over a million customers. Um, could the company do the same? I think it's probably a distinct possibility if uh, if the business is um, is considering a new strategic direction, which it says it is. In fact, what they say is they. I'm, I'm just reading here from our piece. Is now promising a new strategic direction, which will result in shedding operations identified as not core and exploring equity and technology partnerships with global industry players and other areas of the business. And what was interesting to me, as I said, particular emphasis will be placed on significantly reducing central costs by creating a leaner management structure. Um, I wonder Cut if that... <laughs> there's kind of two centers of power at Ultron. We've got uh, the group headed up by Robbie Fent, and we've got mm. the Ultron TMT business, which is the significant um, chunk of the business, headed up by his brother, Craig Fenter. Uh, I wonder if um, this means that uh, one of the Fenters is going to move out of the business um, as a result of this. Um, I mean, that was a, that's a very strong statement that they made in the statement. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, there have been rumors for years that Robbie Fenter um, ha has been keen to emigrate. Um, uh, I, I don't know what the current situation is, but certainly a few years ago, his, his family were living overseas. Um, and he was commuting a lot out of the country and back again. So it can't be a, a pleasant situation. I don't know if that's still the case, but if it is, who knows? And I'm speculating here, but uh, maybe maybe a restructuring of the business would see the exit of Robbie Fanta and Craig Fanta taking over the whole business. Um, who knows? Seems who knows? plausible. Seems plausible. But the results are coming out on the um, 13th of May, so we'll definitely be attending those res that results presentation and hopefully interviewing both Craig and uh, Robbie to get some some more insight into what the strategic thinking is and uh, what sort of shakeup we could see at management level. Yeah, perhaps ETV should speak to these guys. You never know, there's a box ready to be used. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, ETV has its own box already, uh, OpenView HD, which also hasn't oh, been yes, ter yes. terribly successful from what I can tell. Um, that's the free-to-air box, mm. uh, which includes... Uh, which includes um, a conditional access system. I forget which one it is. It could be Nagravision or uh, I forget which one it is actually. Uh, maybe the Cisco one. But um, they, they've got a they've got a box in the market already. Um, they've tested the market. So they uh, uh, they've they've been out there with an encryption system. But yeah, um, Eltron. Uh, the share price has taken a real hammering over the last six months. Um, I haven't looked at it this morning, but it's. Uh, it's really come off sharply, more than 50%, I think closer to 60% over the last little while. Um, and I think shareholders are, are going to be uh, very keen to hear what um, the Fenters have to say about the future strategic direction of the business. Yeah. Uh, let's chat a bit about the price hikes we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, uh, Rafa, you with MTN, hey? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they announced um, just two days ago they're putting up their rates. How are you affected? Have you looked, had a chance to look at the... I actually, I, the I try to look at the... I can't, to be honest with you, I can't always remember what contract I'm on even. Oh, right. Um, okay. but, <laughs> I'm but sure MTN is here, very happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but having a look here, I mean, there's what, a 50 rand increase on mine. I've got an MTN 750. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's, it's what, 50 rand, uh, 50 rand top of from 750 to 800 bucks. It's not massive, but you know, it's about telecoms, telecoms, yeah, telecoms increasing, MTN's increasing, Vodacom's increasing. I mean, petrol's going up again. Um, it's it's not a fun time to be a a paying customer. No, no, indeed. Um, so so MTN has announced the, the hike. In, I think it's the prepaid data is going up, and a lot of the contracts. In fact, if all, I suspect all of their contract um, fees are going up, subscription fees. No changes to voice prices, mm. and prepaid uh, voice users are not affected. Prepaid data users are. Um, and this comes just a week or two weeks after Vodacom announced that they were increasing the prices mainly of subscriptions for contracts, uh, also leaving prepaid voice tariffs alone. So um, I think even more reason to ditch the contract and go prepaid. Um, yeah. And I, I think um, most controversially, 
Telcom uh, has increased basic line rental fees by 13.8%, which is currently uh, which is about three times the current inflation rate. Uh, and this affects everyone who has broadband. Mm-hmm. And I, was, broadband. I, I just reinstalled my uh, my telecom line moving to a new house. And yeah. You know, I, I again looked at my bill and, and it, it is ridiculous the fact that you have to pay that basic line rental mm. at that new price. I mean, it's, you're not getting any value out of it. I don't yeah. even plug my telephone in. Yeah. I mean, we have had many conversations with Telcom about why they do that and um, and then they've trying to explain to us I mean that's it's part of the you know that's how their business runs and I'm sure if they, they do away with it they, it's going to be a massive financial blow to them um, but I would still much rather pay more money for my broadband um, or pay a premium on my broadband just to know I get a bit of service quality than have to mess with basic line rental um, and again it's another bill you'd you're reluctant to pay. It's like your TV license, right? We don't reuse it, but uh, it's almost a legacy thing. I mean, who cares about fixed line voice anymore? Yeah, yeah. But I guess they do. Their business does. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but it's a business that's rapidly disappearing, and in ten years won't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody that still uses a landline for phone call purposes. No. Everybody that has sure, a landline. big companies do, but most of them have found alternative. I mean, they use least cost routing. They put voice calls. Big corporates they're all using VoIP. Yeah, exactly. They're not using exactly. telecom. Yeah. Um, Maybe you know, those, that, those that are have already negotiated great discounts with yeah. the company, you know. Um, and and home users, I mean, I was actually listening to um, to Aki Anastasio and Reedy really, really Clubby having a conversation on Seven O Two this morning, and and Reedy was going on about how she just doesn't make phone calls anymore. Mm, uh, she mm. just uses WhatsApp, and you, you know, that's I think that's a general sort of thing. People are moving to never mind VoIP; they're just not making phone calls. Um, mm, mm. Uh, with WhatsApp and that sort of thing. Maybe that's the operator's way of just covering some of those losses uh, of people moving away from their voice uh, from their from mm. their voice services. But both telecom and uh, the mobile operator ne- mobile operators are, are battling with, um, you know, keeping their voice mm. their voice business active. Yeah, profitable at least. You know, I was very surprised um, because I actually thought that telecom was uh, was was um, bound to very strict um, price increase regulations um, by ICASA. Um, they certainly were in the past. Uh, in terms of the, regula- the old regulations, they were not entitled to increase the price of any one of their products or services by more than 5% above the inflation rate. Hmm. And the latest CPI inflation, I think, was 3.9%, which sounds amazing. To, I find it difficult to believe that inflation is only at 3.9%. Mm. But, um, you know, 13.8% is well above that um, and would be in breach of those ICASA regulations. Um, so I put in a call to ICASA spokesman, Paseka Maleka, and uh, he told me that those regulations have actually fallen by the wayside. They don't exist anymore. Um, so Telcom is, in effect, able to increase its prices to whatever level it wants. Did those lapse, or did they just Apparently fell away? Apparently they fell away uh, with the introduction of new legislation. Um, they've gone. Um, all the Telcom has to do now is to, according to Paseka, is... Um, is, is lodge the tariff with, with ICASA and yeah, 20 days before, ICASA stamps yeah. it that's right yeah um, they hadn't done that at the time they announced this increase so presumably they will do it before the actual yeah, increase yeah, takes effect yeah. on the 1st of May so I presume they've done it by now um, but yeah Telcom is apparently entitled without regulatory oversight to, um, to, to, to um, jack up these prices which is concerning because they still have a monopoly over the last mile in effect mm. um, sure there's some fiber to the home alternative players but they're tiny at this stage Vodacom and MTN are talking about fiber to the home but haven't really started anything yet and until that happens I'm actually surprised that um, these regulations were allowed to lapse because in effect Telcom can, can push those prices yeah, up as much as it wants I suppose in in reality they can't because it will just lead to more greater fixed to mobile substitution. People moving to mobile alternatives. Yeah, it gives them more reason to do so. But um, there there is 
that I would imagine there's a great deal of flexibility for them to put those prices up quite a lot um, because a lot of people are reliant on, on uh, fixed line, on ADSL, um, especially if they push a lot of data every month. Yeah. But, but I, I, I can't help but wonder if there isn't a better way to, to, to provide on a telecom system ADSL data to users either by pr- introducing a different uh, pricing structure to cover that and then do away with do away with the, the line rental. Because I think it's also very much about perception and people uh, um, looking at telecom and saying, but you guys are trying to rip us if, if we're not using some of these services mm. and, it, and we now have to pay more money for it. Mm. Um, Anyway. Let's hope fiber comes soon so we can cut out, cut out that last mile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish. I, I'm just waiting for someone to bring in fiber. So you guys haven't heard anything about fiber in this hood yet? No, nothing uh, Nothing in my part of Joburg. I was, uh, I was, uh, I saw um, uh, Toby, Toby posted, Toby Shapshack posted. Toby Shapshack has fiber, the yeah, this string of expletives here to follow. <laughs> did, you, did you see the screenshot? Did you see the speed test uh, that he did yes. this morning? Two hundred no. megs down, yeah. seventy up, I think. It was. I saw one. I saw one he posted a few uh, two days ago where he got two hundred and seventy-five megabits down. Yeah, that's uh, the one. That's yeah. the one. That's the one. Uh, insane, insane. He's uh, he's with that um, Craig Hall Fiberhoods. Dunkel Fiberhoods. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're, they're wiring up the Lover area. Though. And I bet you he's not paying a Telcom line rental. No. I, <laughs> <laughs> I would. Uh, Ditch, uh, ditch Telcom with great speed if someone like that came along and yeah. offered me fiber. It's coming. We can taste it. We can taste it's it. It's coming eventually. Yeah. Sometime, yeah. yeah. Um, I just hope it, hap- it happens within the next three years or so. Mm. Um, they really are focusing, though, on the, the really posh areas of Joburg. Yeah, those um, big suburbs. Hyde Park and, uh, you know, the parks, they call them. Yeah, we just lucky that we're close to close enough to those parks mm. that uh, we'll probably find some of the spillover happening into our street. So hopefully that'll happen. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> touch wood. Um, right. Um, last thing I wanted to chat about this week was the announcement by Cell C that they're going to pump eight billion rand into building a four G LTE network in metropolitan areas in South Africa. Um, I think a lot of people, Cell C users, will be saying hallelujah about time. <laughs> about time, yeah. It's the only network in South Africa that doesn't have a 4G network. Um, and uh, they're going to be rolling this out uh, in metropolitan areas, as I mentioned. Um, I think that makes sense. Cell mm. uh, C doesn't have the cash to roll out a national network. Um, and 8 billion. It sounds like a lot of money, but actually, if you think that MTN and Vodacom are, are each spending 10 billion rand on their networks this year alone, um, it's probably not that much, um, but it's, I think interesting what it says about uh, the um, commitment to the shareholders in this business, uh, because um, Bloomberg's reported a few weeks ago that um, the, the shareholders had put the business up for sale, or, or rather commissioned Goldman Sachs um, to find out if there was any interest in, the, in anyone buying the company. Um, now they commit to an 8 billion rand rollout of infrastructure, suggests that um, if the Goldman Sachs process doesn't work out, and I assume it's still going on. Um, then they'll put the money in the ground and commit to the market. But they are kind of blowing hot and cold on the issue. Um, let's appoint Goldman Sachs to see if we can sell this thing. Um, let's put 8 billion rands of new capital into it. You know, which, which one is it? <laughs> Appearances, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Look, yeah. at least uh, the, the, the end users e- will benefit. I, s- I suppose it's easy to put out a press release saying, uh, saying you're going to spend 8 billion rand on LTE. It's, you know, let's actually see the commitment on the yeah, ground. Yeah, true, true. Um, but uh, I think some, something that Celsius has to do. They don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, they, they, they've got problems. They've got perception problems about the quality of their network. Uh, justified pro- uh, perception uh, perceptions oh, yeah. about the quality oh, yeah. of their network, um, which they say they've largely addressed in Gauteng now. I, I don't use Celsius, and I don't know anyone who does. Um, well, I don't communicate regularly with anyone who does, let's put it that way. Mm. Um, so I don't know if the, if the problems have actually been fixed, but, um, but they have a lot of work to do. 
There used to be a time when they really were the, the, the favourite kid in the block. I mean, they introduced some interesting pricing things when they launched. I think that's uh, the biggest problem is they've taken on so many customers in the last two, three years that their network fellow couldn't cope with yeah. the demand. And now those guys are migrating back to, to the other guys. Uh, I don't know yet if they're doing that because um, if you look at the numbers, um, I think MTN has certainly stopped the hemorrhaging. Mm. Um, Vodacom's market shares remain pretty flat. So I'll see... Until the most recent numbers I've seen still suggest that Celsius is gaining. Um, oh, that's interesting. But uh, those numbers are probably about uh, three to six months out of date now. Uh, I, I, my gut feeling is that it's probably that, that migration to Celsius probably stopped. Um, but we'll have to wait to see the, the numbers from the operators when they get released in the next few few weeks. Actually, we should be seeing uh, numbers from Vodacom and Telcom at least. Um, and. Uh, I'm um, just trying to think of very um, blue label telecoms, of course, um, provide yeah. some in- a- analysis on this as well. But I don't think we're going to see those numbers for a few months yet. So, yeah, there we go. So, I'll see. Um, let's move on to our regular features. We're running rapidly out of time. Um, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's pick our. Uh, I'll, I'll do the winner this week, Rechot, if you can pick up the loser. Sure, sure. Um, I, I think our winner this week is an easy one. And that's, um, well, it's Naspash and, the, and its shareholders. Um, for the company's share price um, surging through the 2,000 Rand. A share Crazy. mark uh, this week for the first time ever, uh, giving it a market capitalization of over 850 billion rand, uh, making it one of the biggest uh, tra- uh, publicly traded uh, companies in South Africa. In fact, I think it's the biggest uh, company only listed in on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, biggest company without a dual listing uh, on another exchange like London. Um, and uh, the share, share has come back quite a bit since then. I think it fell the next day to 1,800 and something um, before picking up again. But um, it's all on, te- on the back of 10, 10 cents. Cent, yeah. It's all about 10 cents, which is now worth as much as Facebook. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just to put it in perspective. That is um, crazy. So market cap well north of $200 billion. Um, and Nuspass owns a third of this company. <laughs> Somebody made a very clever investment move very many, many years ago. Yeah. I hope that guy got a bonus. I think it was Antoine Roux who passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, the guy who started MWeb in South Africa. Oh, yes. Remember Antoine? Yes, yes. Um, he, he, he was responsible for many of these investments. Uh, he led the team, I think based in Singapore or, or one of those um, Southeast Asian markets. And he, he led a lot of these investments. I think he did the Mail.ru deal as well, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, oh yeah, that's another big one. Mm, another big one. Uh, also, fabulously uh, wealthy company now. Nuspers doesn't have nearly a, anywhere near a third of Mail.ru, but um, it's still a, a valuable investment for them. Mm. Um, but uh, Antony, yeah, he led a lot of these, uh, these transactions. He died at a very young age, a couple of years ago. Um, um, but uh, Nuspers Shell is continuing to reap the rewards of his, uh, of his investments. And, of course, the... Um, visionary backing, I guess, of um, Chris Becker. Oh yeah, yeah. Just shows you what a few good decisions can do. The yeah, right, the right decisions. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe get uh, our government to employ some of those guys. <laughs> Wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so who's um, our loser? Yeah, the loser for this week. Uh, it has to be Telecom for hiking the line rental fees. Um, I mean, like we said, the line rental fee is. Uh, um, a disputable part of your account every month already um, and by hiking that it's, it's just not helping the guy that's yeah. uh, really trying to make Adding best of the injury yeah yeah. and and you know I love ADSL I love my ADSL when it's uh, at a decent speed and, and I can't see myself going without it obviously unless fiber goes yes. uh, um, but yeah it's not nice to see that from Telcom mm. so go into your dog box Telcom um, don't do it again <laughs> yeah bad boy <laughs> um, what's your pick this week Rachel? So I've been 
when in, in my transition when I was moving house that I didn't have DSL installed, I didn't stream any music. I didn't want to use too much data. So I've been going through my old MP3 catalogs or, or my old MP3 folders again. Um, and ha having been a Windows user for most of my life, I used Winamp religiously, and I still do on one of my Windows machines. Okay. I still own my license. Well, I still have my license uh, on the last version before they went under. Um, and I still love that uh, that music player. But I was looking for something similar um, and something similar in, in simplicity uh, for Mac OS. Um, and I came across an app called Vox. Um, and you can get it at Coppertino. That's copper, the, the, the element, coppertino.com. Um, and the app is called Vox. It's available for Mac and your iPhone. Um, and it's a really nice, very simple user interface, a music player. Um, and, and I've really been enjoying using it. Is it freeware? Um, it is free. There is a there is a paid for there is a you, c you can pay to get one or two additional features, Such but as? Um, it is is free. Now you could now I'll, I'll have a look at those sure. now. You know, um, but but in terms of organizing your music collections, playing, uh, syncing it up to SoundCloud or Last.fm, if you're still a Last.fm user, it's it's very easy. Um, but but I like the fact that you know it's 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 a it's a window that stays on the side of my screen yeah. and I can I can play all my MP3s through it. Uh, I, mean, I still love to stream, but uh, yeah. I've got such a big collection of MP3s over that I've collected okay. over the years. Uh, certainly, the way it. yeah, yeah. certainly certainly worth it. I must um, say I've moved wholesale to streaming now, except in my car because local mobile networks are so crap that they, you can't seem to sustain a, 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 a connection for streaming music for more than five kilometers across the northern suburbs of Johannesburg. Which oh, really? Is just, just ridiculous on any of the networks um, uh, you know it works fine for a while and then it cuts out which is just you know if you're in the middle of listening to Stairway to Heaven or yeah, something you don't want it to cut out um, <laughs> it's so killing I, the mood I, man. I, I tend to yeah exactly I'm, I tend to uh I tend to still listen with my iPod plugged into my car, but um, yeah, I still use my iPod as well. But uh, but when I'm at home, I do nothing but stream, and I use radio or DIO. Yeah, yeah. Um, I listen. I've got it on my TV, on my TV, on my PC, and on my phone, and I just on my iPad as well, and I just uh, I just stream music all the time. Yeah, and that is that is the way to go. Um, but just 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 one last thing about Fox and yeah. what I really like about it, it's, it supports Flack. Um, I mean, I guess a lot of music players do now, but it, it's it's it also seems like they are targeting the high fidelity audio listener, um, somebody that appreciates a really good sound sound quality um, I will put the link up on we'll put the link up on the show notes I can't see so, see what the, the, the upgrade price is but um, no problem yeah, we'll, 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 we'll put the link to the app there and you can uh, go and have a look uh, look at that it's Vox for, for Mac OS 10 and for iPhone you said yeah for iOS um, no version for um, Windows or Android or no no no, no this is only, only okay. for Mac yeah okay cool my, my pick this week is a specifically an app for Windows and it's a universal app or a Metro app if you prefer uh, for Windows and it's, it's the app from FNB um, the FNB banking app for, for Windows. And that's an unusual pick because most people just use the app on their smartphone or, or on their tablet. Um, but it's actually a really good app. And uh, the reason I've started using it, um, you know, in, as opposed to just simply logging into fnb.ca.za in my web browser, uh, is that it's, um, it's got some great um, sh uh, tr uh, share trading functionality built into it. Um, I, I've always, always been looking for, for a decent website that offers decent f um, free uh, access to um, share information. Um, and I haven't really been able to find it. Chainnet is, is not bad, um, although they, you, they expect you to pay to get into um, sort of levels of detail. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have proper charting capabilities and that sort of thing. Um, and so I've started using the, the FMB app for, for Windows, the universal app for Windows, and it's, it's really good. And I've, I've recently started um, 
dabbling in the share market again so listeners mm-hmm. be warned there's probably a catastrophic market collapse about to happen <laughs> no, just don't invest in us please <laughs> given my history of <laughs> investing in shares it's uh, no, the market is probably probably going to have a repeat of 1929 but um, it, it's a really cool app and um, it provides great, a great amount of detail uh, into allowing you to drill down into shares on their market cap their, their historical performance a whole range of, of um, multiples including PE multiples, uh, all the sort of things you need as an investor to decide whether you're going to buy a share or not. And I really like its graphing tools in particular because mm-hmm. it'll let you drill down to five years of graphs and it's, it's really well designed and well done. Um, and the great news is you can access all of this information, all of this functionality free of charge without being an F&B customer. No, that's great for potential mm-hmm. investors or anybody who just wants to, to read a market, I guess, and yeah. kind of see what's happening. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So that's the, uh, that's the F&B uh, banking app available in the Windows Store. It's not often we pick one of those, is it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Windows making a comeback. Excellent. Well, um, that's all the time we have for this week. Um, uh, if you have any feedback on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Info at techcentral.co.za. Until next time, from Rechard and myself, take care. Ciao, ciao.